We're going to talk about, and we've been talking about, the Ten Commandments. And this is the very last one today. Don't covet anything that your neighbor has. And this is very, very important as we recognize that God is telling us that man has a problem and hopefully our lessons on the Ten Commandments have helped us to see ourselves more clearly through the eyes of God and as we look at God we can see ourselves and see the things that we need to correct. Because he's laying down that which is perfect and Jesus Christ as he lived here upon the earth lived in such a way as he showed us what man ought to be. And when I compare myself to him, I see just how short I fall of that. And so I want to correct everything that is wrong, and that is a goal of mine every day. And God wants us to emulate his character, and his character is holy. That is, it's set apart. It's supposed to be different than other people. That we are to be something that displays what God is like because he lives in our life that Jesus lives in us, and so on. And the Tenth Commandment changes the actions to an attitude. An attitude is given now at what we're thinking in our mind as we look at others, and it becomes so important as we recognize that we have a problem. We're trying to keep up with the Joneses all the time and wanting what they have. And that's what he's dealing with here. Remember what coveting is. If you remember in Exodus 20, 17, you shall not covet the house of your neighbor. You will not covet the wife of your neighbor or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. In Colossians 3, 5, he tells us what this is whenever we covet. He says, therefore, put to death what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, uncleanness, lustful possession, evil desire, and greediness. And that word greediness means covetousness, which is idolatry. So when I covet anything that you have, anything that my neighbor has, whenever I want that, have that strong desire to have what they have that I do not lawfully have the right to have, then I am coveting and I am practicing idolatry. And I don't think that we usually think about that, but we watch the covetousness all around us. This thing breaks all ten commandments. If you wanted to just take one and say what breaks them all, this one does it. Abraham Lincoln was walking with his two sons one time, and they were crying and someone asked, what's the matter with the boys? And Lincoln replied, exactly what is wrong with the whole world. He said, I have three walnuts and each boy wants two. That's the problem in the world. Do you remember if you went back in history, Eve wanted something she didn't have the right to have. If we come on down, we find that there was David coveted another man's wife and even had her husband killed so that he could have 
what somebody else had that he had no right to have. And then Judas was motivated by covetousness of heart. Ananias and Sapphira in the Bible. They had the same problem. And even Paul makes the statement over in Romans 7, 7, what then shall we say is the law sin? May it never be. But I would not have known sin except through the law, for I would not have known covetousness if the law had not said, do not covet. And if you notice something, when some God says don't do something, or if your parents say don't do something, right away what do you want to do? You want to do what they said not to do. I don't know why that's in man, but it just is. That we have something that is forbidden we can't have. As I've told the story before, I can remember when I was a child there was an orange orchard. And that orange orchard was a great big orchard and we didn't pay any attention to it at all. We walked by it every day. And then they put up a fence and it said, no trespassing. And all of a sudden, we found the desire to crawl over the fence to get that orange. And the orange was sweeter than we had ever imagined. Well, that's the way it goes. Covetousness is a problem today. And it's a real problem. In 2 Timothy 3, 1 and 2, but know this, that in the last days difficult times will come. For people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, arrogant, slanderers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. Now that almost pictures our society today. That tells us where we're at. That tells us that this is not something new. But rather, it is something that in these last days, God says that's what's going to happen to people. You remember it happened in Noah's day, and he destroyed the world. You remember now that in the last days, he says this is going to happen, and we're seeing it unfold every day, and we have been seeing this. I can remember in the late 1950s it started and in the 1960s it got worse and here we are today. Things are not good. They're, everybody wants something that they have no right to have. It belongs to somebody else. Do you remember in Luke, the 12th chapter and verse 15, he said to them, watch out, guard yourself from all greediness because not even when someone has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. If you have a million dollars, you worry about keeping it or you are trying to get more, more and more and more and more. And we see this all the time. People can be bought with something that they don't deserve and if we just give it to them, it makes them even worse than they were before. Covetousness diseases all of life. You realize when you're greedy of gain that you're never satisfied with what we have. That's one thing that I've noticed about me. If I said I had a problem, that's, that's it. Well, I've got many problems. I don't want you to think that I don't have problems. But greediness is one of them that as I look... I can say, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. 
And there's nothing wrong with having possessions if the possessions don't have you. There's where the problem is. And certainly, I can let these things take me in and that becomes my life. And then I want more. I'm going to tell you something. We are at a place in life when we say to each other, what do you want for your birthday or whatever? I can't think of a thing that I need. And we really can't. We can't think of a thing that we need. That's good, and yet it's bad, too, because those possessions can possess us. It takes things instead of our heart for the Lord. Do you realize how many things that we have that that's where our attention is, and it's not upon the Lord? Everything that we do should be to glorify God. I don't care if you have a computer or whatever it is, it's to be to glorify God. You're to use it for the work of the Lord. And if you have a car, certainly we can enjoy the things of that, but the main purpose is that we are going to glorify God. We're going to do the things that God wants us to do. And then our urges become demands that this is what I have to have. Urges, we all have them, but why do we have to obey them? And we're wanting things that belong to another. This is the problem that we see, whether it's in the government, whether it's in, in uh, the church or wherever. Many men, many are like the man who was jealous of others having better homes than he had. And he went to a realtor and put his home on the market to sell. One morning in the paper, he saw a house for sale. He called his realtor and wanted to see the home. And the realtor said, that's the home you're selling. I don't have enough. I've got to have something better. I'm fascinated with homes. I've got to have a home. And so he's trying to buy his own possession. Have you noticed something about life? Grass is always greener when you look to the other side. I mean, it just looks better sitting over here. If I can get this thing, the reason why we want things so bad is because our neighbors have things. And we're trying to keep up with them. And we get fascinated with these things and it becomes something that if I could just get that thing, I think I would be satisfied. When I started out years ago in computers, I found this computer and it was good. Oh man, I finally had what I wanted. And then lo and behold, they came out with another computer that was even better. Oh man, if I had that, I'd be satisfied. And here we are in Apple. <laughs> if I could get his job, I, I, would, I would do okay. If I could just get his job. You know, I listen to a lot of preachers preach and wonderful preachers. And I've said, if I could just preach like that guy, 
if I could just preach like him. And I found out God said, well, you can't. You're going to have to preach the way that you preach. You can't preach like somebody else. Just preach like you preach. People say, you know, John and you don't teach quite the same. Of course we don't. I do better. <laughs> I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you now. John has his style. I have my style. He doesn't preach like I do. I don't preach like he does. Dave LaBelle used to bug me. Whenever we'd have a preacher come in, he'd say, that's the best preacher I've ever heard. And I found out that he said that about every preacher that he ever heard. That's the best preacher I've ever heard. And all of them had different styles, but they all was getting the same message across. And we're into a society today that the rich ought to give to me. I need to have what they have. It's just not right for them to be rich. They ought to give it to me. It's not right for somebody to have that much. Have you ever noticed how many poor men hire other people? It's always the rich people, isn't it? So we ought to appreciate that. We're always wanting something for nothing. I'll tell you, that wanting something from nothing is a real problem in our lives. And when somebody calls, and I get the call all the time, you know, they call and say, you qualify for this great vacation. And I think in my head, what did I do to qualify? I didn't do anything, and they're offering me uh, this great vacation. And I say, no, I don't deserve it. But, 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 no, no, I don't deserve it. See, I can get rid of people on the telephone now. I've been took. But I can get rid of people on the telephone now. The rich ought to give to me. Do you realize that we in America, and this is in general, we are already rich. I mean, we've got it. But we want more. And we covet poverty, people, and possessions. Notice what's coveted. Property. We go to Thousand Oaks every so often. And as we go along, I look up on a hill. And there is this beautiful yellow house trimmed in white. And I say, can you imagine what it would be to live in that house? And then we talk about it and say, well, you know what? We couldn't afford the upkeep. We couldn't afford the paint. And I'll tell you what, Pagey couldn't clean it. <laughs> it's out of our scope. And do we think that that guy ought to sell it and give us the money? Well, yes. <laughs> the Bible says, for we are to watch out for the other person's property to protect it. Isn't that what good neighbors are about? When you leave, they're watching your house. They're there to help take care of that house. It's easy to commit thievery in your heart. 
to steal something that somebody else has. My idol is property. Have you ever noticed that that is one of the big rages today, that the more property I get, the more insurance that I have, the more security I have, nothing causes security. Mike was telling me the other night that he could have bought down by the beach a house for $30,000. This was 400 years ago, but, <laughs> but he could have bought that house for $30,000. And now it's worth a million dollars. And we can go back and say, what happened? Do you remember it wasn't very long ago that houses were very high and then all of a sudden they dropped? And now they're going back up and it's it just up and down all the time, the value of those things. And do you know what? Houses get old and they wear out and you have to keep fixing them. And then there's people the neighbors, wish I could be like him. I wish I could be him. I would love it. I wish I could have his wife. Boy, if I'd had his wife. We don't know what that guy's going through with that wife. <laughs> the sin is wanting to possess her. When we say the grass is greener on the other side, it may be a lot shallower. Possessing something that doesn't belong to you. Or we have obsessive thoughts. I worry so much. Everybody liked John's class this morning, and then Wednesday night, nobody seems to like my class. Oh, I wish I, wish I could just kill John and get on with the teaching. No, I thank God for his teaching. I thank God for his ability. And I thank God that people love his teaching. What did Jesus say? But I say unto you in Matthew 5, 28, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman to lust at for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, can you imagine somebody looking at somebody's sister, somebody looking at somebody's mother, somebody looking at somebody's wife, somebody looking at somebody like that and going through that mental exercise in your head with her. That puts it in perspective. David looked down at that woman and all of a sudden he had to have her. There was something immodest about her bathing out like that. But then he had to have her he had to cover up the sin that he had committed. He had to lie to everybody. He had to have her husband killed. The, per, the punishment came upon Israel. What I do in my private life is going to affect you. Whether you know it or not, it will affect you. We're to live honorably. Or it can take me to lying, to murder, to every kind of a sin that you can think of. Possessions. If I could have servants, and we all have servants sometimes, somebody helps us, and they're serving us. If I could have servants like they had, we could have that big house. We could have all the, if I could just have those servants. We don't have that as much as we have what's called using people. We use them and abuse them. We don't appreciate people as people ought to be appreciated. And God is saying everyone is created in the image of God. 
and therefore appreciate them. Do you remember in James, he talks about one guy coming in and he's in a doctor's suit. And I'm paraphrasing this. He's in a doctor's suit. And we say, come on up here and sit here. And the other guy comes in in the overalls. Or there's a Cadillac out here and there's a Volkswagen. Or one guy's just walking. And it's in people's minds that they want to elevate one. Why? To get closer to them. Why? Because they want something from them. Why? Because covetousness work. Look at everybody and recognize how important they are. They're in the image of God. And we have animals. Now, I don't have this problem, but some do. If I could have that animal, boy, that particular animal, well, we do it in a little different way. If I could just have that car. Dion, what kind of car you got? Cadillac? <laughs> if I had his car, man, I would be the top potato. I would be something special. And everybody sees him and says, there goes Mr. Potato. And they're riding with him as his beautiful wife. Ah, here we are, driving an old Subaru. God's saying, be careful. Because that's what's in people's heart. And phones. Phones. I wish I had his phone. My kid ought to have a phone. You know, do you remember how we used to talk? I don't know if you're, any of you remember it. We used to talk. We'd take a tin can and we'd put a tin can over here. And then we had a, a wire going or a, a line going through it. And we'd talk in these cans. Now you had to yell pretty hard to get it across. But when I first saw that tin can and that other kid talking to another one, I had to have that kind of a, a communication center. I got my own can and some God, and my can, I wanted to be better than even the listener's can. But then we move up in the phones. Oh man, when you were a kid, how did you communicate by phone? You realize you had to go somewhere. And when I was a kid, you had to go somewhere and you had to put a nickel in there to talk. And you had to call home if you were going to be late. Today, the parents are worried about what kind of phone does my kid have? I don't want another kid having a better phone than my kid's phone. And so we get them these phones. You know what I think a child ought to be able to have a phone whenever they can pay for it themselves. Watch out. <laughs> Covetousness disregards God's law completely. A new God rules in your life when this happens. Other commands really mean nothing. Once I set up an idol in my heart, God's laws does not mean one thing to me. And this is what Israel did. I want you to go through the commandments for just a minute. In the very first, money and positions are put above God. You're not to have anything above God, but that money and positions does that. And I'm going to move fairly quickly here. People are serving materialism. 
bowed down to materialism. This is where our God has come in our minds. It's about these things. This is why the secular world, and whether you know it or not, most churches, many churches are going secular. That is, they're not having religious things, really. It's all about entertainment and, and having these things. Instead of coming to the Word of God, they're using all of these secular things to attract people, and it's working. People are getting more secular every day. We blaspheme the Lord's name for possessions. Anytime you put something before God, it's blasphemy. Anyone that is living clearly above what God really teaches is blaspheming God. Do you realize how many people desecrate the Lord's Day Assembly for money? Are there times that you have to work? Yes. But are there times that you choose to work? That's the question. When you choose to work over assembling with the saints... You're desecrating that assembly that day that God said you're to meet. And parents are abandoned because they are a burden. You know what? Parents have always been a burden if they get old enough. But people used to take care of that burden. And we're losing that. Anything to get rid of them. How many people steal to unlawfully have? I've just got to get that, and they will actually take it. By hook or by crook, as somebody says. By hook or by crook, I'm going to have that, and I'll figure out a way to get it. You know, Stephen works hard to keep his house and everything up, and it looks very nice, on the outside, he's got all these palm trees. But I'm going to figure out how I'm going to get his stuff. I had a little hutch sitting in my house. And Stephen figured out how to get it. And yesterday, he came and took it. For shame. How many people lie to get? And we don't even realize we're lying. We said it last week. Have you ever sold a car and the thing wasn't any good and you lied about it? And Sheila's saying no. Well, you ought to be able to trust the one that you're sell that's selling. If there's something wrong, tell people. And what we are saying is coveting covers it all. It breaks every commandment that God has. And then covetousness denies the Lord. It denies the Lord because it demonstrates a lack of faith. In Philippians, the fourth chapter and verse 19, And my God will fulfill your every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I understand that to mean very simply that if I truly trust upon the Lord, do what the Lord tells me to do, that God will provide what I need. And you know what? It works. Even when you don't have much, 
When I was a child, I, I was very fortunate. We lived in a community that we had these little houses that you live in. They weren't really houses. that My mother covered it with newspaper so that you didn't see outside. But everybody in that community was the same. And I noticed something about that community is what they had, they were willing to share. We are in a tough situation today that people will not share with other people that are less fortunate. Now, when everybody is in that situation, you've got a good situation going on. The happiest times that I can remember is having to sell bottles to go down to get some soda pop. Oh, those were happy times. Barefooted, because summer would come and we'd take our shoes off. And we didn't wear shoes during the summertime at all. The only time we had to wear shoes when we went to school. Wearing those old dirty overalls. That's some of the happiest times I remember in my life. And we were poor. But we were so rich. We lose the image of Christ. In Hebrews 13, 6, so then we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? I can't say that if I've stolen somebody else's property or if I'm wanting that all the time. The Lord is my helper. He's going to provide and God will give me everything that I need. In 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8, but godliness with contentment is great means of gain. How many people are really content today? Really? Hmm. What kind of car do you drive? Yeah, you got to drive a nice one too. His car got in a little wreck and he had to get a brand new one. Oh, but we're content. Do you see what I'm saying? We all seem to have this problem. Don said it very well to me last week that we seem to all have these problems. And God's saying, yes, you do have these problems. And now work on it. If I don't see the problem, I can't possibly work on it. But we don't try to work on it. We're so encaptured with these things. For we have brought nothing into the world so that neither can we bring anything out. Have you ever seen a U-Haul after you die taking your possessions somewhere else where you're going to be? Well, it'd all be burned up. But if we have food and clothing with these things, we will be content. Now, he didn't say satisfied. Content means that I can accept this situation fine without getting all upset about it. Poor me, poor me. So God is saying, be very careful. 
Now God has a plan for getting things. In Matthew 6, 25 through 34, for this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life, what you will eat, and not for your body, what you will wear. Is your life not more than food and your body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky that they do not sow or reap or gather produce into the barns and your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more than they are? And who among you by being anxious is able to add one hour to this lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe the lilies of the field, how they grow. They do not toil or spin. But I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory was dressed like one of these. But if God dresses the grass of the field in this way, although it is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not do so much more for you, you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What will he eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the pagans seek after all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious for tomorrow, because tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Have you noticed people get all that they want, and then sickness hits, and those things mean nothing. I've seen it over and over. I've seen it in my life. You've seen it in yours, most of you. Those things mean nothing. Things mean nothing when it comes to that little guy there. That's the most important. And it demonstrates a lack of faithfulness. We become slaves of things we desire. The Lord is not at the top of the priority ladder. Instead of possessing things, things possess us. And this is why it is idolatry. Unless Jesus is the focus, you are out of focus. And problem, not that we have too much. The problem is we want more than we need. And that is the problem of this world. Epicurus wrote, and I'll end this way. If you want to make a man happy, add not to his possessions, but take away from his desires. That's what makes you happy. If you're here this morning and have never obeyed the gospel of Christ, we invite you to Believe that God loved you, loves you with all your heart, that he gave his son to die upon the cross of Calvary, and that you believe in Jesus Christ as being the son of God. You're going to be willing to be, make him your Lord, your Savior, your King, your everything. And then that you would repent and turn the steering wheel over to God instead of you making your decisions, you listen to what God says to guide you. And then confess before men the sweetest name that's ever been named in in this world or the world to come, that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. And then be baptized for the remission of your sins as the Lord works an operation upon you and you are cleansed by the blood of Christ because you're baptized into the death of Christ where he shed his blood. And then arise from baptism in newness of life and be faithful till death and you'll go to heaven.
Won't you come while together we stand and sing? Yeah.